Come be a part of the Tea Party with your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. Hear the voices of liberty speaking all across America. Doc Holliday provides thought-provoking interviews and commentary about the issues and actions that are afflicting this country and what we need to do to get America back on track. Get fired up. Get inspired. Get on board Doc Holliday's Tea Party right now. It's only a click away. Hey, and welcome back. You've got Doc Holliday here. I'm your host for Doc Holliday's Tea Party, and you're listening to us on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net. And this is the last full week of February, and it's so good to have you here. And let me tell you, we got a show that we're going to have uh, for you that's going to be something that you'll want to listen to the whole show, because let me tell you what's coming up. Of course, we're going to hit the news. We're going to talk a little bit about the news. We had many of the... Uh, potential GOP presidential candidates speaking at the CPAC convention a, a couple weeks ago now, and we're going to be talking about them. And we're also, uh, the interview uh, for this show is Henry Ross. Now, Henry was uh, an attorney working in the Department of Justice in the previous administration. He's been a mayor, a judge, a Navy JAG, and he was a candidate for the Republican nomination for the first concurrent. First Congressional District of Mississippi has a great, great resume. He knows the law inside and out and a lot of the ways that the government uh, uses uh, lawyers. So we're going to be asking him about the health care law and the possibilities of the unconstitutional part of it. And we're going to talk about that. So don't miss this interview. You're going to hear some things you hadn't heard anywhere else. I guarantee you because I know Henry and he knows this part of the law. So listen. Uh, this show is uh, geared not only for what the interview and the news, but you know what today is. It is that we're going to bring together the Rock of Liberty speeches of what America needs. I said each week in the month of February, we're going to bring out something America needs. The first week, we brought out that America needs a vision. Then in the second week, we brought out America needs a roadmap. And then last week, we brought out America needs an energy and a zeal to get us to the vision. And today, we're going to be talking about what America needs to sum up what we're going to have to take to get this country to where it needs to be. So don't listen to this week's Rock of Liberty speech. We're going right into the news. We've got to move quickly today. And what about Egypt? We've talked about it last week. At that time, we didn't know what was going to happen. Now we know Mubarak is out. Uh... Democracy, is it there? No, we got the military in control. Somebody, I heard Ann Coulter say, uh, somebody tell the liberals that a military rule is not a democracy. But anyway, everybody in Egypt is happy. And I'll give this, I'll give this. You know, some people say the, uh, Tunisia was the Twitter revolution and Egypt was the Google revolution. If there's truly democracy there, and I really believe a majority of people want democracy if they see it, I don't know. But I'm telling you, before you call it a Twitter or a Google revolution, you let those people uh, have a, I'll give them a benefit of the doubt. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Wait just a minute and let me hit on some more news. But I'm going to tell you why I'm giving everybody in Egypt and Tunisia a benefit of a doubt of how, if they're going to get democracy. If they'll keep it together, I think there's a chance we could see democracy move in those places. And I'm going to tell you why in about a couple more minutes. So keep on listening. Uh, one thing I wanted to get to on the news before we ha lose our time to get into it is, listen. The Obama administration has not put another company in the graveyard. 
I didn't see any kind of bailout. Nobody cared about it. But let me tell you, there was a company. Uh, it's, now it's going to lay off tens of thousands of workers. They're losing their jobs because of the Obama-imposed drilling moratorium. And it's by executive order. And, uh, and now there's a company called Seahawk Drilling. It's a major public, publicly held drilling services company, and it has declared bankruptcy due to the sharp decline in Gulf drilling work. And Seahawk Drilling is going bankrupt. I hadn't heard anybody in the administration talking about bailing them out. And they seem to hate these companies that want to make America energy uh, independent. Why? You know, they said, well, we lift the moratorium, but they put... They make you jump through hoops and dive, and no way you get a permit done. And so these companies are loot, are going bankrupt. We got a big uh, oil, the deep sea drilling rigs that are moving down to Brazil because of this administration, an administration that says it's putting jobs first, but no, what did it do? It went to health care. They are not putting jobs first. We see it through the regulations of the EPA. We see it right now with the permits not being allowed for americans to drill for american oil and we got people losing their jobs when is the insanity going to end we need jobs we need jobs now i'm going to tell you why i think the there's hope for egypt and there's hope for tunisia and some people call it the the twitter revolution in tunisia the Google Revolution in Egypt, but I'm telling you, I think more of those demonstrators saw the Tea Party movement in America, and they saw people out marching and using the freedom of speech, and they saw people gathering on the YouTubes and the, all the other things of the Tea Party movement in America, and I believe that might be the reason why there's the, the demonstrations for democracy over in uh, the Middle East. And you know why? Because I saw something you don't usually see at other demonstrations. After Mubarak left, you saw the people, not workers, not government workers, you saw the people coming out, young and old, men and women. And what were they doing after Mubarak left? We're in the place in that square where they had the demonstration, Tahir Square. What were they doing? They were cleaning up. Where did people learn to clean up after a protest? It's the Tea Party movement. You go to every Tea Party, and when the people gather, they clean up after themselves. We saw the difference. You can go on my website at www.teaparty.ms and look at the tale of two rallies, a picture of when Glenn Beck's group came by hundreds of thousands of more then a month or so later when, the, when the, the socialists and liberals came together on October 2nd, look what happened when they left. They trashed the place. It's a mess. Absolutely a mess. So that's why I got hope that maybe these people in Egypt that want democracy and the people in Tunisia that want democracy, if they saw the Tea Party movement and they were spirited enough to stand and march and declare they want democracy, then I think there's a chance they'll have to hold it together. And it'll be a tough row, but we need to pray for them. But when I saw them cleaning up in Tahir Square there in Cairo, I said, these people have been watching the Tea Party movement in America because we clean up after ourselves. 
People should be proud when the Tea Party moves in and says we want to march and protest our government. We want to come together and address our grievances with our government because when the Tea Party does it, they clean up after themselves and I'm, that's a proud statement of who we are. So thank you and thank the people of citizens of Egypt and Tunisia for seeing the spirit of 1776 and I pray that they will get democracy and in the other places, in Iran. And thank goodness I heard Joe Biden. I'll give it Joe Biden credit. He came out and said, Iran, we want your leaders to let your people protest and march. So I'll give credit to the vice president of the United States. And there were statements coming out from our president, but I didn't see him do it with the force that the vice president, Joe Biden, did. So I'll give him that stand for democracy, stand for freedom. And wow, wow, time is just moving on. Let me tell you, I've been, you've been hearing about the Tea Party Review magazine. It's out. The first issue is out. You can go to the uh, website, teapartyreview.com. Go to, uh, you can press on the banner right there on uh, Doc Holliday's Tea Party uh, where you come on to the page or you can go to my website, www.teaparty.ms. There's banners. You can click on those and go straight to see what the new magazine looks like. There's an online wonderful website, web, uh, teapartyreview.com. Listen, some of you may have heard uh, the a uh, editor uh, Dr. Steve Allen, he was on the Fox News uh, Sunday, uh, the program there la last Sunday, and there's a place you can listen to his interview there. But, hey, I think his first interview for the Tea Party Review magazine is right here on Doc Holliday's Tea Party. Go back in the archives, look it up. Back before Christmas, you can find that show with Dr. Steve Allen. And he told us about the Tea Party Review magazine, which was still in the planning process but it's out and you can subscribe now the first and only nationwide magazine uh, for the tea party by the tea party it's exciting to be a part of that seeing it grow seeing it move and we hope that uh we'll, we'll see more and more people subscribing many of you contact me tell me you've already subscribed i know a lot of you have already uh got the magazine coming to your home and uh I just say this is a magazine that can help boost the movement of the Tea Party movement. Every great movement needs a publication. Now the Tea Party has one. You can be a part of it. Go there uh, and uh, subscribe. And uh, and, there's, and like they'll tell you more about it. You can listen to the show. But uh, you can become an affiliate. It costs you absolutely nothing to become an affiliate. Uh, you can check on there and uh, the Doc Holiday Tea Party site. Uh, and, and, and go there and check out that magazine because that's something that's going to get this tea party moving and spreading its wings and having more and more, uh, having something to say to what's going on in this nation, even more so than we've had in the past two years. So go to it, teaparty.com, Tea Party Magazine, great, great, great uh, uh, new magazine about the Tea Party movement. Now, we got a special, special guest here. There's somebody I just... Uh, uh, Revere, his uh, outstanding uh, legal skills as, uh, as an attorney. He knows so much of uh, local government, national government, because his name is Henry Ross. He's been a mayor. He's been a judge. He's been uh, uh, in the Department of Justice under the Bush administration, and he's also been a Navy JAG, and he was a candidate for the Republican nomination of United States House of Representatives in the 1st District. 
and he ran a great, great campaign, coming on strong at the end. Not quite enough to win the nomination, but he is really, really a contender when it comes to the issues of being a core conservative and what this country needs. He knows from experience what needs to be done, and you're going to find out in this interview. So let's welcome uh, Henry Ross. Welcome to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. we got Henry Ross on the line, and uh, we're glad to have you here. Good to be with you, Doc. Now, Henry, I know that you know, you, you've been a mayor, you've been a judge in the Navy JAG program, and uh, you, you worked, served in the Department of Justice uh, under the previous administration. And so you know uh, law and government from a local level, from a national level. And uh, one reason I wanted you on the show, because we need to talk about this new health care law, and I just feel like it's unconstitutional. Uh, tell me what you feel about this health care law that has been mandated on us. Well, we have two federal district judges, Ed, that have said it's unconstitutional. I believe it is. I don't believe the Constitution, under the Commerce Clause or any other reading of it, gives the federal government the right to tell individuals they have to buy anything. And I'll go a little further than Judge Vinson in Florida. I don't believe the federal government can tell a business they have to provide insurance for someone, and I don't think they can tell states and just force them to set up exchanges to sell this insurance. They've mandated states to do that as well. And usually federal law will give a state some money and says if you want our money, then you'll have to do this or that. And states have taken that bait many, many times. But this one's different. They just told the states that's what they would have to do, and that's not part of our federal system under but our Constitution. It's sure not. We've gotten so far away from it that people, it's just it's like uh, standing on a limb. That limb's getting further and further to, ready to, to snap off because it's uh, overloaded on the side of federal government. That's right, and our founders did not intend for it to be that way. This is the thing. Everybody said once that law was passed, and that's exactly what the liberals know, once it's passed, it seems like it's impossible to uh, get rid of it. or to uh, it, The only way it could ever be unpassed, really, is, is by uh, a Senate and House agreeing and a president that would not veto it. So I don't see any chances of that happening in the next two years. No, I don't believe it will happen in the next two years. We know that Obama would veto any repeal that came out of Congress, and there's not certain at all that the Senate would repeal it anyway. So I think the law is going to stand for at least two more years just from the congressional and presidential standpoint. Well, now, when we talk about these lawsuits that you just mentioned that uh, we had in Florida and uh, was it Florida and Virginia that uh, two federal judges found it unconstitutional, now, how does that set in time? Does anybody have any idea how long it would take to get these, the appeal process going and, until it would get to the Supreme Court? Well, the Florida case would have to go through the Fifth Circuit on the appeal route. The Virginia case, Judge Hudson's case, would have to go to the Fourth Circuit in Richmond. And all together, for it to go through the uh, uh, circuit courts and get to the Supreme Court, it's probably at least two or three years, two years maybe because it's such an important case. Now, the uh, petitioners in Florida who won probably, I think they've already done it, will ask the Supreme Court to go ahead and take the case without an appeal, to take it directly because of the importance of the case. But it, in my view, it will be unlikely that the Supreme Court would do that. It is important. But the primary um, um, 
things in the law, some of the requirements don't really kick in in 2014, so it's really not an emergency in that sense. So I'd be very surprised if they took it early. They could, but I don't think they will. Now, I've met uh, Virginia Attorney General Ken Cusincelli, and I think I'm pronouncing his name right, Cusincelli, and he's the one I know in Virginia that he's asked the Supreme Court to go ahead and take the case because he realizes, I believe, the appeals court is packed with uh, Democrat-appointed judges. So he would love for that to happen, but politically, uh, well, that's probably not going to happen, is it? I, I just don't think it will. I, I think the Supreme Court will let the case come on up, and they'll want to see what the appeal, appeals courts have to say about it in their analysis. But they could, you know. They, uh, stranger things have happened. We're in, a, in an odd time now. Well, that's the interesting one of the things that uh, I have seen a couple of weeks ago that Senator Orrin Hatch, had, uh, a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, that interviewed a, a, a Supreme Court, the last or latest Supreme, newest Supreme Court member, uh, Miss Kagan. He interviewed her, and uh, the whole uh, Senate process did. And now he's asking her to recuse herself from if the health care law becomes before the uh, U.S. Constitution. How? How do you see that playing out? Well, Lauren Hatch, as you know, is on the Senate Judiciary Committee. He was a former chairman of it. And there were seven Republicans at all on the Judiciary Committee last summer who had the opportunity to question Eleanor Kagan about her nomination and her views. And the full Judiciary Committee, which was, you know, Democrat-controlled at the time, they recommended her for nomination in the full Senate uh, confirmed to her, and she was placed on the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, Orrin Hatch is saying that she should recuse herself because he believes that she was probably involved in uh, discussions in the Obama administration about the case. And if she was, there's a federal statute, Ed, that governs this. It's 28 United States Code, Section 455B3. And it basically says federal judges who have served in the government must recuse themselves from participating in a case when they participated as a counsel, advisor, or material witness concerning a matter or expressed an opinion concerning, concerning the matters, concerning a matter, uh, the merits of a matter in controversy. So if she had done that, then she probably would be in a, in a territory where she should recuse herself. However, Supreme Court justices aren't forced to do that. They get to make their own call about that. Also, Section A, B, um, A of that statute says that if your impartiality can be questioned, you should recuse yourself. Well, one, one of the things... Ed, that when that case, or when she was before the Judiciary Committee, the only one who asked her about whether she had participated in any of these discussions... Well, Senator Tom Col and Senator Coburn simply asked her if any time as Solicitor General she had exp expressed an opinion on the merits of the health care bill. That's the only direct question she got about this from the seven senators, Republican senators, on the Judiciary Committee. I think at the time there were eight or nine Democrats. Now, these are seven Republican senators probably with at least 100 years of experience in the Senate, many, many years on the Judiciary Committee, and nobody really even asked her the right questions about whether she had participated as a lawyer in the, in the uh, Obama administration in these health care 
build discussions, especially after the lawsuits were filed. But now, uh, Henry, and that's what I was looking at, what I could find was uh, that she said she addressed her participation during her confirmation hearing and said that this is what, quote, this is what she said, quote, it attended at least one meeting where the existence of the litigation was briefly mentioned, but none where any substantive discussion of the litigation occurred. And then and she just left it like that, which made it seem real, uh, you know, not, not too involved. And yet you, what you're saying is the, the, the whole that all the Republicans on that Judiciary Committee should have just been hammering that home, knowing this thing would one day maybe make it to the Supreme Court. Well, this is the issue of the day for the Supreme Court. And, yeah, they should have asked her many questions about all that, especially about her participation in administration meetings uh, after the bill, excuse me, after the lawsuit was filed in March of 2010. The bill was passed. It became law in March of 10, and I think that Florida suit was filed immediately by the Florida Attorney General in March of 2010. And you know that as Solicitor General, she had to have been in some meetings about how to defend this. Well, that's what a lot of people would think. Now, the Solicitor General really isn't just an ordinary lawyer in the Justice Department. You know, their duty is to take cases to the U.S. Supreme Court and argue them there on behalf of the United States. And they have deputies that are involved, and they're some pretty smart people, to be honest with you. I've had, had the privilege of being involved in some moot courts that uh, where they prepared for Supreme Court cases that came out of our division in the Justice Department when I was there in the Bush administration. And they're well prepared, they're very smart, they know what they're doing. But normally the Solicitor General just doesn't go and, and advise the uh, Attorney General on matters or the President. They're really concentrating on the court. But it's not unheard of, and it's somewhat typical that they would attend routine meetings on occasion about it. And I think she probably was there. When well, they had, she had to be when they well, were discussing some of these things. What, what I wanted to ask you in just a minute, I'm going to uh, ask you about what do you think the the Republican side? How they how did they fail not getting these questions asked? Before I do that, let me uh, remind everybody that you're listening to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. I'm your host Ed Holliday. You're listening to us on WebTalkRadio.net. It's WebTalkRadio.net, and we are speaking with uh, Henry Ross, and a, a very knowledgeable and experienced attorney that's uh, giving us some information about the the new health care law and that the chances of it being uh, filled or found unconstitutional. So, Henry, what do you see as far as uh, uh, what we need to do as conservatives, as Tea Party activists, is find out how we can strengthen our government to make it better for core uh, conservative values. And what we're seeing is a, a pretty much a failure of ju- the uh, Senate uh, Judicial uh, Committee, or the, the Republican side anyway. Well, it sure seems that they let us down on this matter, um, Ed. Again, we've been talking about the fact that uh, only Tom Coburn asked her one question about whether she had expressed an opinion on the merits of the health care bill, and she said that she hadn't in in response to Senator Coburn in the Judiciary Committee last summer in July. The question I have for you, Henry, is why aren't you up there... (laughs) Helping these, helping these manners out. We, somehow we got to find, get you up to Washington, don't we? Well, 
Well, I wish we could have. As you know, Ed, I ran for for the U.S. Congress in Mississippi last year in District One. You did, and uh, and I'll tell everybody that uh, you uh, you were really building up some steam and coming on coming on strong right there at the end uh, in the Republican primary, and just. Uh, uh, it was. Uh, I, I saw you get a lot of support. Just started falling right in line, and just seemed to be a little short when the election day came. Well, we were a little short. We were outspent, and then we had the establishment uh, on the other side in that race, as you may know. But anyway, maybe, maybe in time, the Lord will give us another opportunity. We'll see. Well, one of the things that I I, I wanted you on the show for, Henry, because I knew as far as when it comes to these things and, and the way it works in the government sometimes the tea party activists and, and that's where i first met you at tea parties and i am glad you, you supported the tea parties were there at the tea parties and and what i try to get across with the tea party movement is we can't just throw everything out we need people like you that's been in the department of justice and got the experience and you've got those core conservative principles we need new people in uh political uh places but we also need people like you that know how to get things done and you need to be in a position where you can say look we're going to hold the judge's feet to the fire just like we're finding out about uh, the confirmation hearings of kagan they were botched by the republican uh, leadership it looks like well i think they were and we really do we need people up there that are really convicted ed we got into this mess we're in that the tea party is so concerned about our country as far as overreaching federal government and a monstrous debt because we have politicians up there who really their main concern is to stay. That's all they really care about in the end is how they can stay. And if you promise a lot of things to a lot of people and you don't cause a lot of trouble, you feel like you can stay. But that's that's hurt us badly, and we need people up there really who have more of the revolutionary spirit of 1776 and want to corral this government and get it back into shape and we don't have much time to do well that. I, I agree with you we don't have much time that's why i'm glad you're on our show and we're talking to tea party listeners all across the nation and how do we turn this ship around uh i'll give you we we got about 60 seconds left uh just tell us how we can turn this ship around and give us some encouragement well we just have to keep our eye on the people that just went up there that's the main thing and if they're not doing what we think needs to be done they need to come back now one more point i want to make ed about kagan in uh, early november of last year 2010 a guy named stephen baldwin uh, he was a california former california lawmaker had requested the Supreme Court to skip uh, the lower courts to take an Obamacare case and have a Supreme Court hearing, and Kagan participated in that decision denying the Supreme Court hearing in that matter. So she's already participated in a matter that involves Obamacare in the Supreme Court. Some people may not know that, but that's interesting. And also, 74 House Democrats have sent a letter to Clarence Thomas to try to get him to recuse himself because of his wife's involvement in a conservative organization that said at one point that Obamacare was unconstitutional. So both sides are going to be trying to get people to remove themselves from this case on the Supreme Court so they can have their side uh, have an advantage. Well, Henry, I, I appreciate you being on the show, and you're just showing us what a battle and what a uh, a tug of war and a battle of the minds and battle of uh, uh, the the 
ideology between the left and the right. It's it's going on, and people better be getting their positions uh, prepared for a for a major battle on this because it, it's already passed. You know, it's a law, and there's, and and if our country's going to survive, we're going to have to figure out some way to get around that. If, if it may just be everybody getting to the voting booths, we're going to have to. Uh, vote some people in power and know how to turn this ship around. And who are willing to do it. Well, fall Hen- on the sword if they have to. Well, Henry, I appreciate you being on the show. We'll stay in touch. And uh, God bless you in all that you do. And, and I thank you for all your participation in the Tea Party movement and your willingness to stand up and, and speak out and tell, they'll tell this country what we need to do. And I appreciate what you've done. Well, thank you, Ed. It's been a pleasure being on your show tonight. And that was Henry Ross, and there's a couple of great take-home points I need to let you know, a couple of nuggets. Number one, Henry did not cut the Republicans any slack. He told it like it was. The Republican Senate Judiciary Committee dropped the ball. That was very important. They knew this legislation, uh, the health care law, might go to the Supreme Court. They should have pressed Elena Kagan much, much more on this so that they would know where she stood and would she need to be recused or not. They dropped the ball. Now, let's go back and let me talk a little bit about uh, what uh, the other nugget was, is what Henry was telling us. We cannot wait and say that this health care law is going to be rude, unconstitutional. We don't know. How can we wait and let one man, probably Justice Anthony Kennedy, decide for over 300 million people what this law means? We don't need to wait on that. What we need to be doing is getting our gear together now for another election tsunami. We have got to knock the liberals out of the Senate and get more liberals out of the House, and we've got to make sure there's not a liberal in the White House. So we've got to start working now. Those are the two nuggets I got from Henry. Listen, the Rock of Liberty speech is coming up, and I told you we heard a lot of uh, CPAC at the CPAC convention a couple of weeks ago, a lot of the potential presidential Republican candidates uh, for the president in 2012. And in the Rock of Liberty speech, I'm going to borrow from one of those candidates. That, but everyone will mention the same themes, the themes that are just core principles. And what does America need? We know about the vision. We know about the roadmap. We know when they got how to get the energy. Then you go back and listen to the previous three shows to find out about the Rock of Liberty speech. But now, what America needs to sum all this up, we need to stand strong on core principles. President Ronald Reagan showed us that you stand on your core conservative principles. And no matter what the press says, no matter what your uh, enemies say, no matter what anybody says, you stand on those core principles and you will be respected and you'll get things done. And that's what President Ronald Reagan taught us. Now, what are some of those core principles? Well, it goes back to cons- uh, what the conservatives believe in. Listen what Governor Haley Barber, and I'm not pushing him for president. I'm just saying he said some things that anybody in the conservative movement could say. But uh, listen to these phrases. In liberal ideology every dollar earned belongs to the government that's what the liberals believe he said never forget a bigger government means a smaller economy and he and governor barber told us of an exhausted liberalism i've told you over and over that the liberals are giving up and they're saying it doesn't work but the exhausted liberalism is about 
coming after a blizzard of Obama administration's job-crushing regulations. And he said, what we need is rational regulation. You can call it what you want. There's going to have to be a little regulation. you got to have some rules, but you don't need to be tying down the American worker. And that's what President Obama's doing with all his regulations going through everything from the EPA to the, the uh, offshore oil, all kind of things, everything from education to medicine, Good gracious alive at the regulation. We can learn things like the Governor Barber told us we can save money on entitlements, but you have to have the willpower and courage to do it. And now, uh, one of the things he said, uh, the federal government can no longer spend itself rich than your own family can spend itself rich. It takes some common sense, and we don't have seem to have a lot of common sense in Washington. And that goes for both parties. You know that. That's what I love about the Tea Party movement. We're not Republican or Democrat. It just seems that there's more Republicans on the conservative side. But just like tonight, we're going to hammer the Republicans where they mess up, and we got to keep straightening people out. But the core principles, that is how we get to the, the vision. We have the vision and the roadmap. We have the energy and desire to get there. And then we stand on the core principles like President Ronald Reagan. Listen to last week's show as we honored President Reagan. I think... For all, uh, thank you for writing in your stories of the Gipper. You can go back and listen to mine from last week's show, and and you can if you got a your own personal story you want to tell about the Gipper or meeting President Ronald Reagan, uh, send it to me. Uh, send it to radio at tparty.ms. Radio at tparty.ms. Don't forget, uh, look at the Tea Party Review magazine site. Uh, click on the banners on my site, www.tparty.ms. That's tparty.ms. And uh, we're getting ready for next week in the spring, March. We're starting here. We're starting what I told you a couple of months ago. We're going to be talking about the uh, Republican nomination for president in 2012. We're going to be talking about the candidates. And we're going to do it in a new, a unique way. Nobody's ever done it before like we're going to do it right here on Doc Holliday's Tea Party so God bless you. Can't wait to next week to get this thing started. What America needs is you and me in a Tea Party movement coming on strong. See you next week. Thanks for joining us today. And remember to listen again next week for another edition of Doc Holliday's Tea Party. You can order Ed's book, Walk With Me, A Patriot's Guide from the Boston Tea Party to Today's Tea Party Revolution by clicking on the book cover right in front of you on the screen. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.